to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. My guest today is Allie Love. Allie has performed as a dancer for the New York Knicks. She's toured with a ballet company and modeled in ads for companies like Victoria's Secret. She currently works as a fitness instructor for Peloton. She's also the founder and CEO of Love Squad, a fitness and lifestyle website that empowers women in business, fitness, and life. On today's show, she's talking about an important lesson she's learned and continues to practice how to focus on progress over perfection. This is important in terms of fitness, business, relationships, and just about every aspect of life. Some of the things Allie talks about are how to deal with criticism, how to handle mistakes, and how to deal with frustration when you've drifted far away from your goals. Make sure to stick around until the end of the episode for the therapist's take. This is the part of the show where I'll break down Allie's mental strength building strategies and talk about how you can apply them to your own life. So here's Allie Love on how focusing on progress over perfection can help you grow mentally stronger. Allie Love, welcome to the Very Well Mind podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to talk to you about so much stuff, but one of the things I really want to talk about is your idea about progress over perfection. I think it's something that so many of us struggle with. We set a goal, and then if we don't meet it, we think that uh, we're not good enough or we make a mistake and we look at it as evidence that somehow we're not going to get there. How did you come up with this idea to just start talking about this subject? Well, Amy, I have to be honest. I didn't come up with this notion. I have something that I've heard, you know, from many instructors, many friends, many motivational speakers, and, and a lot of the books that I've read really discuss this topic. And it's because it's so widely of a plague for many of us in the sense of, I want to be perfect. Um, it's always coming back to that inner child, that inner alley love where she was a little girl. This idea of being accepted was, well, if I'm perfect, then somehow everyone will accept me. And the reality is that that's not the case, right? People like who they like. And when people like you, that means the people that like you really like you. That means there are going to be some people that don't really like you. And so when I think of this concept, it started to hit home as I became adult and adult. And I started to really really dig deep into my career, the intersectionality of being a Peloton instructor, being the CEO and founder of Love Squad, being the host of the Brooklynettes. It's like, I started to strive for this ideal of perfection. Like if I am perfect at everything that I do, then all these people that follow me on Instagram, all of the Nets fans, all the Peloton members, all of the Love Squad members, they'll somehow just like me more. And I realized that one, I wasn't happy uh, trying to follow this idea or or really go for being perfect. Um, and two, it, it it's unrealistic and it's not aligned with anything that I truly believe. So then how did you come to that idea of saying, okay, if I don't have to be perfect, it's okay to just make some progress. How do you give yourself permission to let down your guard a little bit? Yeah, I, I have to be honest. It didn't come easy. Uh, what I mean by that is I think I had to learn the hard way because 
I got to a point where it became unhealthy. I started to be very unhappy is what I mentioned before. It's like, I started to realize that I was unhappy in the things that I love to do, right? Many of us think, you know, um, when I, something that I love to do that I'm not really good at, but bake bread, right? When you, when you start doing something that you love to do, it's like you bake this bread and then you feed it to those people that, that are around you and you give it away. And you're like, I baked this bread. I put all this hard work and thought into it. And now I'm giving it to you. And, you know, the feedback that comes is like, I don't really like this bread or this is not as good. And, and you feel like because people are criticizing the product or the work that you're doing, whether they like it or not, because they're giving some type of input that maybe you don't agree with, that somehow it's a reflection of who I am. It's a reflection of the of the baker and not the bread. And so in order for me to come to terms with this, I had to realize that anytime I was getting feedback of, okay, this is, you know, we could do better or um, this needs to change, or I don't really love this class, or I don't really love this content. It wasn't that you were talking about the baker, you were talking about the bread, you're talking about the product. And while I know that there is some ties because we put love into the food that we make or the content or the product that we make or the work that we do, and there's some connection, it's not really the feedback or, or um, the response isn't a direct reflection of who I am or who the baker is, right? And so I learned the hard way in the fact that I started to realize I was unhappy and I had to do some soul searching. And what I mean by that is I had to lean into my love squad, you know, the close friends around me who I trust and saying, why is this, why is this hard for me? Why is this challenging for me? Why am I feeling this way? Um, and so that's when I realized that, ah, I was really subscribing hardcore, even though out of my mouth, I was saying, don't subscribe to perfection. I truly was subscribing to perfection. I was really leaning on the fact that I needed to be perfect and everyone needed to like me and everyone needed to like the bread, bread that I was baking for me to be my best self. When the reality is some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. That's that's good for people to have opinions and judgments and, and, and their positioning, right? We want everyone to be diverse. And I talk about that. And so I just had to come to the terms with, hmm, in order for me to be happy, in order for me to make this shift and to pivot, is that I cannot continue to rely on this idea of everyone liking everything that I do. I have to like who I am and what I do and there lies my happiness. I have to be okay with who I am and what I do and there lies my happiness. My happiness is not in the hands of my husband or my family or my followers. It's in the hands of me. It's in my hands. I love the idea of separating the baker from the from the bread. That's genius. Thanks. And I just made that up on the spot. <laughs> did you? Way to go. Because that's yeah. awesome. And I think that, that it really helps things make sense because you're absolutely right. So often we think if we create something, then somehow that's a direct reflection of who we are as people. And if somebody doesn't like it, then somehow that means we're bad. We're not good enough. Yeah. How about how does this play out in real life? For example, I know you just got married. Congratulations on on getting hitched. <laughs> oh, thank you. I mean, I will give you a direct um, example. This happened to me this morning. You know, I'm all about being transparent. I I got married. I shared it. I put I, I turned off my social media just to focus on the wedding. Focus on you know, our loved one and, and close friends to create this uh, experience, a time to remember. And my husband, he planned everything. He He's amazing. Like he is just so cool. <laughs> he's a vibe, such a vibe. Um, but he planned our wedding and, and made it such a, a memorable experience for our families and for our friends and those that we love. And just this morning, so I got married probably almost, I would say a little three weeks ago at this point. 
Um, and I happened to be on Instagram, which I try not to be on social media too much. But this particular morning, I was on Instagram and I was doing doing some research. I'm, I'm really thinking of how I'm going to shift and pivot my business and my brand and all that stuff. So I was doing some research. And I had come across a post, a couple posts. And in these posts, it was talking about my wedding. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so nice. I get the fuzzy feelings of just a time that is so precious to me. But then there were some comments about some uh, of the fact, some negative comments around the wedding. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so over this. I'm tired of this wedding already and all these things. And I felt myself getting back to that place, right? Of feeling bad, of feeling like, oh my gosh, that I've somehow done something wrong and somehow I'm a bad person because these people on the other side of this screen is at this point in their lives to make these comments about something that I've done or something that's a part of me. And I had to check myself. I sincerely had to check myself. I had to give myself, I had to look in the mirror. This is what I did. I'm not lying. I had to go look in the mirror and I had to check myself. I had to say, girl, get it together because everyone is entitled to their own opinions. And what people are going through is what they're going through, right? And if this is a platform for people to comment, then let them comment and let them comment the way they want to comment. I have to give myself permission to let go of those comments because it doesn't influence who I am. And so this is a real life example of somehow coming back to this notion of if I was perfect, they wouldn't make these comments about me. The reality is people are going to always have an issue with things. There are going to be some people that love it, some people that hate it, right? Coming back to what we just talked about. And so I had to put into practice this idea of progress over perfection. I had to get in the mirror and this is the progress, right? This is me doing the work of letting myself know that it's okay to let this go. It's okay to have people not like everything that I do, even if it's even if it's something as near and dear to my heart as my wedding and the day where it's marriage and it's love, how can you see anything bad in this? People can, and it's not a reflection of who I am, but it's a reflection of who they are. And I had to come to terms with, and this is something that I tell myself often is people's opinions of me is, has nothing to do with me, right? It's none of my business. I have to just be my best self. I have to do my best, be my best. And whatever that looks like, the opinions of others, that's their opinion, right? And so I think that that was a real life example, sincerely this morning of, I'm letting go of this perfect idea of everyone needs to only write good comments about me or you know, I have to do everything perfect for everyone else to like me because that's a reflection of who I am. I had to let go of that. And the way to do that is to look in the mirror, again, check myself, get back to the point of everyone's opinions and what people think about me is none of my business. I have to continue to love myself and be happy with who I am. And so it, it was It was me doing that work and having that moment of shift. And it wasn't instantaneous. It's not like after I said that in the mirror, everything was fine. OMG, like life is great again. It's no, it's just, again, it's work in progress. And that's so important. And you're absolutely right. There's research behind that, that when people give out criticism, it's usually a reflection of how they feel about themselves rather than the person that they're giving that criticism to. And But remembering that and putting that into perspective is tough, right? Yeah, it is. It's not easy, which is why it's called the work, right? Putting in the work, work by definition isn't synonymous with easy. So that's that's the thing that I have to also like be steadfast in is like, this is, it's a lifestyle. It's something that I'm committing to myself. It's something that I don't, when I get to the point of having a family or, you know, when I talk to my friends, I want to be able to be honest in the fact that I'm also really committing to progress and not perfection, even though I can at times, you know, first thought, not best thought, right? The first thought I can want to be perfect or I can tell myself, oh, I should have been perfect. Second thought I'm in control of. And so, you know what? I'm actually a work in progress and that's okay. I'm committed to the work. 
How about the wedding planning? You said your husband did most of it. Did yeah. you have did you have concerns though? Like if the wedding's not perfect, if it's not the perfect day, if the decorations aren't perfect, if your dress isn't perfect, those sorts of things? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I actually had this uh, conversation with my partner a couple of times with Andrew. And the reality, it, one of the things he said to me, I think this was the first time we talked about it. I was, and I might've said the word perfect or someone on our wedding team who also was incredible at making this all happen said the word, like, it's going to be perfect. And the thing he told me, he said, Ali, it's not going to be perfect. I can guarantee you that. Like, I'm not going for perfect. We're not going for perfect. And he has such a good handle on these things. And, and it's always important to have someone in your life that can, again, check you as well. It was like, you know what? It's not going to be perfect. And everyone's not going to love it. And everyone's not going to like it. And there's going to be something wrong. And that's what that's what we're going for. <laughs> right. like, we're going for reality. We're going for realism. We're going for doing our best. Our best isn't going to be perfect. It's it's sometimes a little, you know, it's a little gritty. It's a little messy. And that's okay. It's okay. She's messy, right? Like, and so it was one of those reminders. And I actually had to play that back in my head a lot of, yeah, I'm not, we're not going for perfect in wedding planning and this experience. We're just going for memorable. And when you look back, and this is also something that I also noticed, Amy, that a lot of people do. And, and I've also been someone who's who's done it. When you look back on life, when you think of like past, you know, when you were in high school, um, you know, and I often hear this about the 80s, back in the 80s, like people, you kind of romanticize those experiences. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, it was the best. We did this. But when you take yourself back to the times, realistically, you, you feel like it was, this is the worst. Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to do this? So one of the things is like in the moment, yeah, people are going to complain. Yeah, people are going to have issues. Yeah, it's not going to be perfect. When people look back on their lives and the experiences, we tend to take only the best parts most times, only the best parts. And we romanticize and say, you know what? Oh my gosh, that was amazing. And so I also kind of leaned into that of, we're not going for perfect, but when I remember this, it's going to be the best time because that's kind of what we do. We ad- we add we're, we're we adopt right. Like that's what we do as humans. And so it's like we're able to adapt in that. Like okay, we can adapt in saying these were these were some of the great times that came out of that. This is what I remember. And so I leaned into the, to those two aspects when it came to the wedding planning and process. That's so true. And let's say something at your wedding wasn't perfect. What's the chances anybody any of your guests are going to remember that next week, next year, five years from yeah. now? right? The things that we often think uh, are horrible, awful, we focus on other people don't even necessarily notice. Exactly. That's, and, and this is so true is that I probably, I, I can tell you right now, I don't remember, and, and not that I'm trying to, right? Like who's just sitting here in their life trying to remember the negative things that happened at someone else's wedding? Well, no, you know, who has time for that? And most times, you know, we hear this too, is People are so caught up on their own issues or their themselves that they're not actually thinking about you. They're not thinking about my wedding. Um, and so that's something too that I often think about. It's like, I don't remember anything that went wrong. I don't remember anything that I was concerned about the wet, the weather and I was concerned about all the, like, what if it's not perfect? What if someone hates it? What if they don't have the best time? I'm sitting three weeks later and I'm like, you know what? It was the best time of my life and I'm so grateful. And, and that's it. <laughs> I'm so grateful. Yeah, sometimes we think other people are paying way more t- attention to us than they really are. They don't yeah. notice those things that we think that they're that they're focusing on. How about when it comes to progress over perfection in terms of of the work that you do with Peloton, with fitness, with people who want to get healthier, they want to get in shape? What are your thoughts in that area? Yeah, this is I actually think about this often. Um, compound interest. 
progress over perfection is exactly the uh, same thing as compound interest, the compound effect, where basically it's the little things add up to a big thing, right? Every little thing adds up to a big thing. Every w- one day adds up to your year. When you think of last year, you can't think of any you can't think of every day in isolation. You think of it in totality as the year. What did you come away with? And so I pride myself, and not pride myself, but I I I commit to the little things, right? Um, how can I? How can the little things matter? The little things do matter. How can I make sure that I remember that the little things matter? What I do today will affect my wh- who I am next year, right? I think um, we think about that too when it comes to RX bars, the ingredients, right? The little things we forget uh, about the little things when we kind of going back to that concept of the bread and the baker. When you think of one of my favorite snacks, RX bars, like when you think of the little ingredients that go into it, it makes up the full taste of it. It makes up the full experience, right? The ingredients that you put in the bread makes up the full taste of the, the bread. We're not in isolation eating the flour or eating the six almonds that went into the vanilla almond RX bar, right? You're not eating those in isolation. What you're doing, you're not eating each day in isolation, right? You're not taking each day in isolation. It's when it all comes together. When you look back over your life, when you look back over last week, or you look back over last month, or you look back over last year, it's each individual ingredient or each individual day and the commitment you made that day that adds up to the feeling that you have or who you are or who you've become or who you want to be um, and adds up to all of that. And so again, it's that compound effect. Every ingredient, every little investment, every day, it does matter. And it's okay for an ingredient or a day or an experience not to be perfect, right? We're not going back. We're going back to this idea of it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to go exactly how you want it to go. But the commitment is that today I'm going to commit. I know today matters. Today is going to add to the whole of my life. And so it's knowing, it's knowing two things when it comes to that, especially when it comes to fitness, is that the small things matter. A 20-minute class, a 10-minute class matter. How you fuel up after the class, like how you what you eat matters in terms of like, okay, I need my protein or I need a healthy snack matters. Then it comes back to understanding that if you miss a day, I always have this, for me, it's the rule of two. I'm okay with missing a day, but I try not to miss two days, the rule of two. No two days in a row. You know, you might miss two days a week. That's fine if it happened on Monday and Thursday. But this idea of let's not do two in a row, like trying to commit to that. So it's, Again, it's making sure you know that the little things, the compound of the compound interest, the compound effect, it matters. Each day, each little workout, each five-minute core workout, that's a big deal. Be proud of those things. Know that it matters. It adds up to who you are. And then know that you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to do it every single day. It's not going to go exactly the way you want it to go. And that's okay. It's okay to start again. That's great advice because I see so many people. I'm a therapist and I see a lot of people who set a goal. And of course, New Year's resolutions are notorious. Mm -hmm. And then two weeks in, they miss a day. And then that turns into two days or four days. And then they just conclude, well, I can't be a fit person or I wasn't meant to work out. And they give up really quickly. What's what's your advice for somebody who says, all right, I did miss two days. Now what? That's okay. I mean, again, that's okay. What, like, how can you make sure that that number stays as low as possible? You know, two's two's lower than three, six is lower than seven. And it's okay to start again. Like if you are on the 14th day of not doing what you said you were going to do, can we not make it 15? Cool. Like there's no right or wrong. We get to determine all of these. And again, when I talk about reclaiming agency and standing in our power, it's knowing that we get to make these decisions in our lives. I don't want to subject myself to this ideology of perfection. How can I not do that? Knowing that, yes, there are some moments like this morning that I shared, 
yeah, we going to wake up some morning and some mornings are just going to be, we're going to subject ourselves to perfection and that ridicule and that negative voice in our head. Can I not do that tomorrow? That's okay. That's progress. Can I not do that? Maybe the next day. Okay. That's progress. Can I make day 23 of me not doing what I said I was going to do? Can I make sure that it doesn't turn into day 24? Can I start tomorrow? Yes. And so it's coming back to the to this um, idea of let's if you can keep it on the lower end of the number, it's not making sure it's the smallest number of life, just making sure that, okay, if you can reclaim agency right now, sure, do that. If you can't, it's okay not to be okay. Like it's okay to give yourself a moment, to give yourself breaks. And that too, I think goes back to this concept, Amy, of perfection, right? It's when it's, it's okay not to be okay, that we think we need to feel good all the time. I think sometimes, I mean, let me just use the I, I don't want to talk about anyone who's listening because this is not necessarily, I'm not saying you are like this, those of you that are listening, but if you're anything like me, I can sometimes think I have to be happy all the time. I have to be okay all the time. I have to do all the right things all the time. That in itself is trying to be perfect, all right? Life is messy. I'm messy sometimes. It's okay not to be okay is what I tell myself a lot of the times. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to say that I was going to do all the things that I wanted to do this week, but I didn't get to them. It's okay. It's Sunday. I didn't get to them, but you know what? Monday I can. Like, it's okay not to be okay. I'm glad that you said that because I agree. I feel this way. I talk to so many therapy clients who feel like that too. Like if they're sad, they had a bad day, they have a day where they're just not motivated, but that's not okay. And then they beat themselves up about it. And it's not the fact that they had an off day that then makes it a rough week. It's the fact that they then spend the next six days beating themselves up about it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wait a minute. I do that though. I feel like now we're in a therapy session. (laughs) I'm like, I totally do that. I do that. And I have to catch myself when I go back to this first thought, not best thought is that, you know, I'll have a conversation. For example, you and I are talking right now, which again, I'm so grateful that you allowed me on and like, you and I are having this conversation and then I get off and I'm like, Oh, I should have said this. Or why did I say this? Or what are people going to think about this conversation that I, what does she think about me? And I have to come, you know, it's like, I actually have to catch myself in that second thought. I was like, Hey girl, did you do your best? Okay, good. Was there something you could have learned from there? Okay. What was that? Good. And keep it moving and keep it moving. Like I have to tell myself that it's that taking control of my second and third thought so that I'm not beating myself up to to the end of the week, you know, or to or into the evening. So again, I completely identify. And I like that you said that too, because there's a uh, a saying that has always stuck with me when it comes to public speaking. Somebody said, there's three speeches you give. There's the one that you uh, wish you would have gave. There's the one that you that you had planned on giving. And then there's the one you actually gave. And I think anytime we have a conversation Ooh, with someone, yes. it's that's sort of how it happens. Maybe you have a conversation with a friend or you sit down to talk to somebody about a problem. You go into it with a plan. There's something you think you're going to say. It doesn't come out the way you want. And then afterward, you have that opportunity to either wish it had been different, to ruminate on the mistakes that you think that you made, or to have a lot of wishful thinking about the stuff you think you should have said. And you could spend a lot of time thinking, oh, I wasn't good enough, or I forgot what I was going to say. It didn't go as well. And beat yourself up for that too. Oh, yes. You know, this reminded me of something and I'm I'm going to be honest, I'm going to butcher it because you just reminded me of it. It's not something that I've been sitting on too long. A friend of mine said, when we talk about this idea of perfection is when we think of who we are, is that there was something that she said that was like basically similar. It was like, you know, I'm not who I say I am. I'm not who you say I am. I am who you think I am. Like, like you end up 
and again, I, I didn't do that very well, but it's like, sometimes we, we don't know who we are. We forget, like, you, you know, you want to be perfect. It's like, people aren't who they say they are. They're not who other people say they are. I am who you think I want me to be. Like, I mean, who you want me to be. Like, who I, again, I'm totally going off the rails here, but it's like, we can't get control of just being who we are in the moment. It's that we need to be who we think people want us to be in the moment. And that's where the frustration lies, right? Similarly of the speeches, it's like, it's coming back to, you gave something, you gave the speech, it was your best, now we move on. You are who you are, let's move on. Let's be that and keep moving forward. And what you just said, it makes me think too of how sometimes we feel pressure. I say we, but I do this too. Feel pressure to be a little bit different when you're around different people, people who knew you when you were 10 versus somebody that met you at work or somebody that you meet in a different situation because we do think, well, this person has a certain notion of me or they think of me in a certain way. Do you ever feel like that? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think there's two things that I would say about this is one, the same example that you just gave of if someone had known me in the past and I, I start to I start to act like Allie in the past of who, because because I want them to feel comfortable, right? Yeah. I want them to like me. I want them, I'm, I'm so concerned on their thoughts of me, right? I'm being who they, like I'm not being myself. I'm not being who they think I am. I'm being who I think they think I am. And that's that's kind of, again, I said that way better this time. I had to work through it. So thank you for giving me the space. Um, so it's like, I'm being that person. And then the, the second thing I would say is sometimes when we don't even, it's not even someone who knows you. It's it's someone you don't know. You start to kind of act like them. You pick up their accent. You pick up their mannerisms because again, you start to feel uncomfortable or not you, I would say me. I start to feel uncomfortable with who I am. Like, what do I do with my hands? I'll start you know, using gestures that they use. And yes, there is a technique when you are negotiating um, or when you are in meetings that it's called mimic, where you want to mimic people because you want them to feel comfortable when you're interviewing them or when you're doing negotiations. So that's one thing. That's not what I'm exactly talking about. I'm just talking about it's in social where you're just meeting someone and you kind of lose the essence of who you are and you start, you know, using their accent or picking up mannerism. It's almost like you lose who you are. And so in two parts, I kind of have experienced myself doing that where I fall into, oh, they know Allie this way. So let me talk this way. Let me act how I used to act so they feel comfortable and that I, then I am accepted a little bit more. Or you know, on the flip side, I just meet you. And for you to like me is if you like you, then if I act like you, then you'll like me a little bit more. Like If I use hand gestures or mannerisms like you, you'll like me because now we're similar and you like yourself. So therefore you'll like me instead of me being me. And so I found myself in both of those cases, actually. That's all good stuff. I think a lot of times we don't even realize we're doing it, right? It's just sort of this subconscious thing that we pick up other people's mannerisms, their behaviors, and suddenly you're like, wait, what am I doing? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What's your advice for somebody who says, all right, I'm really, really hard on myself. uh, But first of all, I think being hard on myself is important. Maybe it's motivating me. Maybe I should be hard on myself. If if my expectations aren't aren't high enough, then uh, I'll just sort of settle for who I am or what I'm doing now. I want to get better. So I think that's the the best way to do that is to just be really hard on myself. Um, I will say having standards and beating yourself up or being hard on yourself are two different things, right? Being disciplined and having standards, that is a great way to live your life, right? You have a routine, you go about those routines, but I think also understanding when you're setting standards or being disciplined that there's chaos. Chaos is just anything that's going to happen. You know, someone gets sick or you get sick or something happens at work. Like there are going to be some interruptions. There are going to be some disruptions and being able to be fluid in those moments 
not flexible because flexibility has a breaking point, being able to be fluid in those moments and then kind of get back on track when, when the time comes uh, or, or get back to your routine or stay, you know, get back into your ritual when time comes it is, is one, one way to live a healthy life that I've found to live a healthy life. The thing I will say about, you know, beating your, the flip side of that, of, of being hard on yourself or beating yourself up is all the things we say to ourselves, when we hear other people say them to us, it's not going to be shocking, right? And what I mean by that is if I'm saying all these bad things to myself, Ali, you're the worst. Oh my God, you suck. Like you are literally a terrible person. You're not a great teacher. No one likes you. If I'm saying that, when I hear or read a comment that says those things, I tend to believe it even more because I've already, I've already fed myself that narrative. And so it's being mindful of making sure that there's a thin line between, yes, having a routine, being disciplined and setting standards, and then being, you know, so hard on yourself to the point where you start to have that negative self-talk or negative thoughts about who you are, because then you allow people to treat you, you're, you know, you've, you've kind of diminished your self-worth, right? You allow people to treat you a certain way because it's not shocking. It's not a shocking factor. It's not a surprise that someone has said something to you that you've already fed to yourself. And so I try to, I try to be mindful of that, is that it's knowing that, okay, maybe I do want to be the best version of myself, but being the best isn't always an option every single day because I call it chaos. Chaos happens. And knowing that the only way for me to continue to subscribe to being that progress is when things happen that are out of my control, is that how do I stay fluid? How do I pivot? And the ability to pivot and the ability to, you know, be kind in the midst of chaos and to find peace in the midst of chaos is truly what it means to be our best selves. It's not everything going the way it needs to go and going according to plan, right? And so I think that that's something that I encourage myself and and hopefully those that are listening can be encouraged by. It's like, it's not what you do when everything's going right. It's what you do when things don't go right, right? How do you pivot? How do you shift? How do you stay fluid? And the, similarly, again, don't cross, try not to, I don't want to say don't, I try not to cross that line of when things don't go right and chaos do ha- does happen. And, and, it, and when it does happen, what do I say to myself? What do I say to those around me? How can I continue to lean into that positivity or to those second thoughts? Because my first thought might be negative. How can I not lean into beating myself up? Um, and so I think that that's, that's, the, that's kind of the ideology that I, I try to hold near and dear to myself of pivoting, staying fluid. And that's actually the best version of myself than actually everything going right. And me, you know, winning the race or me PRing or me, you know, saying that I have the smartest or the best kids on the planet. Like that's not me being the best version of myself because that's not me committing to the reality uh, of anyone's life is that chaos is going to happen. It's what you do in those moments that really matter and show you who you are. And so I don't think that I think, again, the, the only advice I would give is maybe your first thought is negative. I've been there. I do that. I've shared this story this morning. It's not going to be the first time. I mean, it's not the first time and it won't be the last time. So maybe you're not in control of that first thought, but how can you reclaim that power, reclaim agency in the second and third thought to say, oh, you know who I am? This is who I am. You know what I do? This is what I do. Oh, there's so much wisdom in all those things you just said. And as a therapist, I wholeheartedly agree when it comes to the first thought versus the second and the third thought that it's all about how we respond to those automatic thoughts that pop into our heads. One last question for you. If somebody says, I have been a lifelong perfectionist, how do I even start? Where do I begin? What would your advice be to that person? Lifelong perfectionist, I would be like, hey, friend. (laughs) First (laughs) off, I would say, hey, friend, I totally understand. 
Um, but the second thing that I, I would sincerely say is start to write down those moments. Um, answer the question, why perfect now? And and this is something that I've been trying to do for myself. Sometimes I write in my phone. I carry a notebook all the time with me. Literally, my notebook is right here. Um, but I'll write down like, why perfect now? You know, why do I feel the sense of, why do these comments make me feel so bad that I need to change, that I feel like I need to change or should have done something differently? Why do I need to be perfect? Why do I need to be like, why do I need to have done this better? Why did this conversation need to go better? And I think being able to write down those moments and get it out is so helpful because I can tell you firsthand as someone who, again, struggles with this, I'm not, the reason why I talk about it and, you know, I often say it in class is, you know, progress over perfection. Amy, it's not because it sounds good. It's because it hits home. I have to remind myself. I'm no different. And um, and so in those moments of, yes, I feel that I'm I'm falling, slipping back into having to be perfect, to be liked or or to fit in or or to be loved, is that I come back to writing it down. I have to do this and I don't, and and I have to go back and sometimes reread what I wrote down so I can remind myself, okay, you I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay right now. Um, and so I think it's the again, it's coming back to the work. If you are someone who, like me, struggle with trying to be perfect or fall into the fact that perfection equals some type of, uh, you know, amazing life or amazingness or being liked or whatever the case may be, is that coming to, and you don't have, it doesn't feel good always to talk about it with other people because it's scary or, you know, it, 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 it makes you really vulnerable or just you don't like the feeling. I've been there before. Is how can I write it down and come back to just writing those feelings down, whether it's in your phone or a notebook or on your computer, is just taking a moment. Why perfect? Why now? And just answering those questions. Even if it's two sentences, it goes a long way. Like getting that that out of you is really has I can tell you right now, it feels good. It feels real good. It does, doesn't it? There's something powerful about putting words on paper that just helps us make sense of it and get it out of our yeah. heads. Well, Allie, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. I love all of your ideas, and I think you're going to help a lot of a lot of us out there who do tend to put too much pressure on ourselves to be perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having this conversation. Thanks for holding space for me to share and, you know, for me to be messy. Like, I don't have all the answers, but just to share my story, because I can tell you right now, even having this conversation, I feel better about what I'm going through and, I, you know, my progress, right? It, it, this is These are all steps in, in that way it, is being able to share publicly is is the progress. And so I, I thank you so much for holding space. For all of you that listened to the end, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Um, and this was incredible. Thank you, Allie. All right. Bye-bye. Welcome to The Therapist Take. This is the part of the show where I break down my guest strategies and talk about how you can apply them to your own life. Here are three of Allie's strategies that I really liked and using them might help you grow mentally stronger too. Number one, separate the bread from the baker. Allie talked about how when someone doesn't like a product we've made or a service that we offer, we tend to think that they don't like us. So I really like the fact that she talked about separating the bread from the baker. If someone doesn't like an email you sent, a conversation that you had, or a choice that you made, that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means they didn't appreciate something that you did. Sometimes separating those two things can help. Some people can still appreciate you, even if they don't appreciate your lifestyle or something that you created. Number two, ask yourself what will happen if what you're doing isn't perfect. Allie raised a really good point. When you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to be perfect, stop and ask yourself why. 
Because sometimes we think, oh, this report has to be perfect or everything has to look perfect at my house. But why? What would happen if you made a mistake or what would happen if someone doesn't like something in your home? Well, the earth would continue to rotate on its axis and the sun is still going to rise tomorrow. Reminding yourself of that can help you stop putting so much pressure on yourself. I also like that Allie said she asks herself why she feels a need to be perfect and then writes down her answers. There's something about seeing things written down either on a piece of paper or on your phone that can help. When our emotions are running high, logic is running low. Writing something logical down on a piece of paper can remind you that you don't have to be perfect and it can reduce a lot of those uncomfortable feelings you might have. And number three, take one step today in the right direction. So many people come into my therapy office ready to give up on a goal because they messed up for a couple of days. So I loved it when Allie talked about how to get back on track. If you miss 14 workouts, try not to make it 15. Rather than beat yourself up for missing so many days or declaring yourself a complete failure, do what you can to get back on track right now. Ask yourself, what's one step I can take today to get a little closer to my goal? Even if you haven't taken any steps in the right direction for a long time, that's okay. Decide that today is going to be your day to make it happen. So those are three of Allie's tips that I highly recommend. Separate the bread from the baker. Ask yourself what will happen if you aren't perfect. And focus on taking one step in the right direction today. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcasts.